Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2.5% of the most popular podcasts globally, and it is all because of my incredible guests. And I am honored and blessed to share time, excuse me, I have to cough, one of those mornings. I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game and who are absolutely willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. And these are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with you the essence of peak performance. And our topic today is sales and everything that entails. You are, whether you know it or not, you are competing with the top salespeople in your industry for the same customers. And for each sales opportunity, there's only one winner. And there's nobody better to discuss sales than my guest, Dale Merrill. Now, Dale is a highly sought-after international speaker and trusted advisor to sales and business leaders at many of the most many of the world's most admired companies. He is a global managing director in Franklin Covey Sales Performance Practice, where he helps clients dramatically grow revenues and, and profitability. And for more than thirty years, <clears throat> excuse me, Dale has led businesses in every region, virtually every region of the world, and he helps clients drive top and bottom line growth by innovating new ways of thinking and executing to get different and better results. And here's what we're talking about today. He is also one of the authors of Strikingly Different Selling, Six Vital Skills to Stand Out More and Sell More, which is on my desk as we speak underneath the cat, as you can imagine. So, Dale, welcome to your partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here, and thank you for sending me your book. Thanks, Denise. Great to be with you today. I'm excited for our discussion. It's me too. I've been reading the book. You know, I my office honestly is this is where my entrepreneurial library lives, and I've got two and a half bookcases. One is still on the ground. There'll be three when it's when it's up. Every single book in here has been gifted to me by my guests, and I read every single one of them. And I'm honored to read them. So, and sales. I mean, this is something that I don't know about you, and you know. People, well, obviously not you, but when I was told some years ago that I was actually a natural-born salesperson, I was offended. I really was. <laughs> then I got to think it, and this was years ago, and I still owe that man. Of, I mean, he's, he was very elderly, and it was a long time ago, but I think about him all the time because he was right. When I believe in something and I'm passionate about it, I can talk about it. I can share about it. And I think that's what true salesmanship is. When you're really, really in love with what you're talking about and you truly believe in it, then you can sell. Am I way off base yeah. there? No, you're exactly right. This this whole concept of selling is one that I've had a huge epiphany in my career and work with clients. Because when I started in my career, I didn't start by saying, hey, I want to sell stuff to people, right? I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be kind of the expert guy. I started in consulting, 
and uh, with a big global consulting firm, one of the big four, big five. And um, I thought, wow, you know, all I want to do is get in and find out what problems the client is trying to solve and what results are they trying to achieve. And if we have some stuff that could help them with that, let's just have a conversation and figure it out. And if we can help them, great. And if we can't, then just you, you part friends. So, yeah, I think people make it into this big, weird Android kind of thing, and it doesn't have to be that way. They do. And what I have noticed as I've gotten older and a little bit crankier is that I don't want to be sold to. And I can tell when I'm being sold to. And it right. it doesn't end well. well. Just let me leave it right there. It just will not end well. <laughs> but if you're talking to me about something that you're very passionate about and you are trying to help me solve a problem or a pain point or whatever it is, it's what we do in web development. You know, when I'm talking with a client, I need to know what it is that they're doing to help people. And that's really what sales is. How can you help people? Not sell them something. Help them. Yep. You know, one of my – well, I started selling when I was just a little kid because I I grew up in a home where my parents said, hey, if you want to buy something, go earn it, right? And so I I picked up little door-to-door sales when I was a fifth grader. And then I became a paper boy for four years and delivered 84,000 papers. And what I was selling there was trying to get people to pay their bill, right? And so I started there. But then when I got into my profession, as I mentioned, I felt awkward at first trying to sell. And then I came across a gentleman by the name of Mahan Khalsa a long time ago, 1996. And I was a um, kind of a leader in my organization up in Seattle, Washington. And, and I met this guy, and he, he taught a mindset that I, it grabbed me and it pulled me in. It's called – it's a simple mindset, and you'll, you'll see it discussed um, in different ways in the book. It's called Helping Clients Succeed. And um, what it means is it's a paradox in selling. And the principle is you will be most successful when you focus first on helping others succeed, then on your own success. So it's like putting the other person first. So whether you're selling a product or a service for a company or you're simply trying to influence another human being to maybe see the world a little bit differently, begin by finding out what's most important to them. Find out, again, the problems they're trying to solve, the results they're trying to achieve. Listen carefully, actively. Then you engage in a conversation. And where strikingly different selling comes in is both sides of the equation. So if if you were to think of a coin, just just imagine a coin with two sides. On one side of the coin, to be a great salesperson or a great influencer, I would suggest you need to do something called inquiry. Ask questions. Get curious. Find out what's most important to them. On the other side of the coin is, after you've understood what the person needs and wants, then it's time to do something called advocacy. And you're really advocating on the behalf of the client to help them do something uh, different and better so they can get uh, different and better outcomes. So this book is all about when it's your turn to talk, what do you say and how do you say it in a compelling way to pique the interest of the other person? And how do you even earn the right to get to that point by asking the right kinds of questions and having the right kind of dialogue? And it sounds simple, but there's some nuances and some some tricks that actually make all the difference in the world. And that's what we've done our very best to highlight in the book. 
and we're definitely going to go through that. And I'm sure you do the same thing that I do. I will listen very carefully to my, you know, current clients or, or potential clients. And sometimes I have to tell them, no, I'm not the best choice for them. Either I don't do the kind of work they need or they just need something different. And to me, part of the sales process is to often say, look, I can't help you with this, but can I refer you to someone else? I mean, you're always trying to help. And people say, oh, that, that, how are you going to make money doing that? I can sleep at night doing that. That's all you need right. to know. <laughs> but it, it is helpful because people will say, you know, I really appreciate that. And they're not going to just walk off and forget they had or, ever had a conversation with you. They're going to say, look, I couldn't work with her for whatever reasons, but I know somebody who can. So you pick up more referrals. It's just, it's the way the world works. If you, and Zig Ziglar had a, a saying that now I can't remember, but you just reminded me of it, but you help more people. I, I can't remember what it was, but quite a famous saying. But the thing is, when you're in sales, you really are trying to help people if you're in the right place, in the right mindset. Right. Yes, so I wholeheartedly a, agree. Yeah, I know you do because I've been reading this book. So give us some, I mean, you're talking about six different skills in this book. And you ought to see it. I've got yellow stickies all over it. It's all fat now. Um, skill number one is capture attention with verbal billboards. What do you mean by that? Um, so let me give you a snippet on that. And I'd love to frame it if I could on, with a mindset that I think is so powerful. Would you mind if I did that? Kind of lean oh, into no. the mindset you, and then I'll jump into the. Okay. You so, do so whatever you want to do. I'm just listening. Okay. Thank you. So it, the mindset, the way you think, your paradigm is the most important thing by a factor of like 100 when you're selling or trying to influence someone. And the whole genesis behind this book was uh, in Franklin Covey, where I work, my colleagues and I work with salespeople and sales leaders all around the world, like every continent. And about 10 years ago, we had clients coming to us saying, hey, guys, we're having a hard time getting a first meeting. And if we get a first meeting, we're having a hard time getting it to go anywhere. Can you help us stand out in a, in a different way? And so that was 10 years ago. We kicked off this big project. We, we thought we knew what we were doing, right, because we've been around for, for quite a while doing this kind of thing. And as we worked with these different people around the world, several big companies came to us and said, hey, we want to do these sales simulations for our very best salespeople, and we really want to help them so they can stand out anywhere in the sales cycle. So, and by the way, Denise, this is all context, and I'll get back to the verbal billboard. So we started this fascinating project. Over six years, we watched uh, almost 3,000 sales professionals from 135 different countries around the world from 17 different industry groups, and we watched them all through the sales cycle, and we were the fly on the wall. And when they were trying to get a meeting, and when they got the meeting, what did they say, and how did they progress it? we were able to watch and then debrief with both the seller and the client. And here's what we learned. Then I'll give you the mindset and I'll get into the skills. As, as we watched these interactions, we expected really solid fundamentals and solid, you know, great selling skills because these were some of the most high, highly compensated people around the world. They made a lot of money. And what we found was very different. 
So here's an example. After, after um, an interaction, we would go to the selling person. We'd say, hey, how did that meeting go from your perspective? What do you suppose we heard, Denise? These were salespeople. What would be your guess? I, I remember we talked about this in the pre-interview. A lot of the time, if I remember correctly, they simply weren't given the information they were actually looking for, and they didn't ask for it either. They expected it to come to them. Yeah, so it's so interesting. So that was kind of the output of this. When we asked the salespeople, how did it go from your perspective, we'd hear things like this. It was a great meeting. We did a great job. You know, these are salespeople, right? So they had some ego. We nailed it. You know, we're, the Brits would say, well, it was brilliant, really? And, and so everybody was positive on the selling side. Then we asked the client, how did the meeting go from your perspective? And that's what you just mentioned, Denise. Usually there was a pause. And then the client would say something like this, that meeting was a waste of my time. Ouch. In other words, the salespeople gave it a thumbs up and the clients gave it a thumbs down. And these were all the, the client executives, you know, the C-suite, the chief executive officer, the chief financial officer, and so forth. So we pushed back on the clients and say, wow, if it was, it was a really a waste of time, if it was, why didn't you just end the meeting? And then they would say something like this okay, I guess it wasn't a total waste of my time because I was actually looking forward to the meeting, but I just didn't have the dialogue I needed and wanted to have. Well, this was fascinating. So we dug in. We watched this. Again, we watched almost 1,800 meetings uh, over a period of six years, all through the sales cycle. And it took us, you know, after several hundred of the same kind of reaction, we realized this is what's going on around the world for everybody. And so we started working with these clients, and we said, hey, what do you want and need to hear and see and experience when you talk to a salesperson? And that's when all the nuggets started coming out, not from the salespeople, but from the clients. So we wrote this book, so we wrote this book over a 10-year period, and through the pandemic, things changed a bit. And here's what we found, and this is the mindset. Clients want us to be relevant, distinct, and memorable. Relevant means focused on what matters most to them. Distinct means show them, the client, something different and better than they're doing today or having today. And memorable means whatever you say, make it easy to share and hard to forget. So RDM, for whoever's listening to your show around the world right now, I'm going to give you a few nuggets um, and insights that I hope are helpful to you. They've surely helped me and all the people that I work with around the world. That is this. Put this RDM, relevant, distinct, memorable, memorize that and repeat it almost like a, a mantra, right, or a song. And if you think about, there's a term in music called an earworm. I don't know if you've heard that, Denise, before. Some no. American song is, it's, it's so catchy, it kind of sticks in your brain, right? It, it's something, they call it an earworm. I'd love to have RDM become an earworm. Have you ever heard that song, Baby Shark? I don't think so. I'm thinking of all the jingles that I used to hear as a kid, you know, the card, that you still, they still stick with you. Yeah, they really do. Right. I don't watch TV. I don't watch commercials. I really don't watch commercials. But there are some from my childhood that are not going to go away. I suspect that's what yeah. you're referencing. That's, that's what I mean. So put this in your mind. So with that concept that the clients really coached us on, we worked for hundreds of hours with the clients, and that's really how we came up with the book. 
if you can think and look at the lens, look through the lens of relevant, distinct, and memorable, then these six skills are brought to life. So finally, I'm getting back to your question on what in the world does it mean to capture attention with a verbal billboard? Well, I'll, I'll say it this way. Have you ever been driving down the road and you look to the side and something catches your attention and it's a billboard? It's an image or just a few words that's catchy. It's so catchy you go, wow, that's clever. And it kind of keeps your attention. If you're like me, you know, my wife will say, hey, pay attention to the road because I'm starting to swerve a little bit because I'm focusing on this billboard. And so that concept of a verbal billboard is the advertising industry's best attempt to capture our attention and kind of keep that attention for a certain amount of time, hopefully long enough to get us to take action. And, and the way we got the idea in selling is we were watching one of these many, many meetings between the client executive and a seller, and the client executive got frustrated with the selling, the salesperson. And, and the person and this client said, hey, sum it up for me. You know, t- give it to me in a billboard. We thought, that's clever. Let's, let's grab that and run with it. So we did. And what it means is it's your core message for the client. And the principles behind it are to think and speak in headlines, not rambling paragraphs, link to the client's goals and issues, and then show something to the client in a from, which is the current state, and to, which is the future state format, from to. And just make sure your billboard, which is very simple, can be shared in less than 60 seconds, tells an easy-to-follow story that's compelling and easy to share and hard to forget. So, so, and I'll pause. We can give examples and everything, but that's kind of the concept of billboard with a mindset of relevant, distinct, and memorable that makes such a difference. And that makes perfect sense. And when I think of billboards, I think that, you know, they have to be almost Homer Simpson simple. Three, four words. Yes. But they have to be pithy, P-I-T-H-Y, yeah. pithy. They have to make sense. Yeah. They have to work together as a sentence, but you can't put a whole bunch of stuff on a billboard. There's no time. People can't, you know, gather that information. They're going too fast. If it's more than just a few really well thought out words, you've just spent a whole bunch of yeah. money on nothing. So I get what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, it's 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 really key. Here's the thing. I'm sure you've experienced this. I'm sure you get a lot of people trying to reach you because of your fame and and <laughs> your notoriety. And all of us have people trying to reach out to us, marketers and others. And in a business setting, um, it's amped up times like 100, right, like a full-on business setting. So how do you stand out? That's the whole point of strikingly different selling is how can I, which is, you know, each of us humans, how can you go from blending in and looking and sounding like everybody else to standing out as somebody that's, hey, this is the best choice for me. That's what the client would think. So how do you go from looking like everybody else to standing out? And the billboard earns you the right with the core message to kind of have a conversation with the client. And you don't even have to be overly clever. We found you don't have to be an advertising executive. You don't have to be a brilliant marketer. But you do need to be honed in on what's most relevant to the client, focusing on what matters most to them. And then when you show them something different and better, which we'll get into in the conversation here, the way that you say it makes all the difference in the world. So this from to juxtaposition uh, makes it fascinating for the other person so they lean in and listen. 
And I can give you some examples if you'd like. Uh, bad versus oh, good headlines. Yes, definitely. I would love some, some examples. But, you know, and I'm going to reference LinkedIn here, which I think is, I know we're connected on LinkedIn, but there, when you say, you know, you're trying to, to get somebody's attention, but you look and sound like everybody else, LinkedIn has gotten very bad about that. You know, there's a lot of yeah. new teaching out there, apparently. So, you know, you're supposed to send this whole thing. Hey, Denise, I, you know, I love your podcast, blah, 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 blah. And I would love to be your guest. And the more I read it, the more I realize they don't have a clue who I am or who my guests yeah. are. It's a, it's by rote. It's a document that somebody gave them, and they just plug in the right, hopefully the right podcast. That's offensive. And that yeah. sale's yep. gone wrong. Yes. That, that what you just <clears throat> uh, mentioned, Denise, and what you experience all the time, like template, I call it template sailing, selling, doesn't work very well. And so no. here's the hard thing. If you don't know the other person, like if someone didn't know you, they would need to do enough homework on you and on your company or your organization, your podcast in your case, to have a message that would be interesting enough to earn the right to have a conversation. And they're going to have to guess a little bit, right, um, because they don't know you yet. And so that's where we found if you can use words and phrases and know enough about the person that you're trying to connect with or the persona of the person you're trying to connect with, you can make it interesting. Um, and so when we started really looking at this, and the reason this took so many years is we've done a ton of research. I mean, we, we saw all those meetings, you know, 1,700, 1,800 meetings over a six-year period. We also partnered with a firm called Primary Intelligence to do primary research. We looked at over 18,500 different business-to-business interactions between the buyer, which is the client, and the seller, whoever was trying to sell them something. And here's what we found. Of all those interactions, this is over an eight, another eight-year period that we've looked at, um, we found that 42% of the time, buyers could not tell the difference from seller A to seller B to seller C. They couldn't do it because everybody looked and sounded the same. What we found is as we've moved into the pandemic, and now we're kind of emerging in this hybrid live online slash in-person world, it's even more pronounced. And so this relevant, distinct, and memorable makes all the difference. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, this is actually, I'm just going to pull, this is on page 24 of the book. We pulled, these are all real clients. We took their names off to protect them, of course, but we have their permission to use the examples. Um, the first one is a customer relationship management company. Um, your listeners would know who this is. I'm not going to say their name, but we'll say they're really big and really well-known around the world. And they were trying to have their, their sellers who are doing exactly what you mentioned, Denise, trying to reach out to executives and people to get their interest. They weren't getting any traction. And we worked with them, and in about three months, they went from not getting, you know, getting very little response to getting significant response and being able to have good meetings that were meaningful and the kind of meetings you and I like to have, Denise, with human beings. So I'm going to contrast for you what they were using before. We're going to call that surprisingly average with a very simple change that turned their initial headline into something that was strikingly different. So for the CRM company, they, they were saying before, hey, um, client, you can make resource decisions faster. And this is in the context of public sector. They were trying to reach two executives 
who are trying to decide how to spend you know, tax dollars and other money in their budgets. So to go from make resource decisions faster, which is average, they changed it. we helped them change it to this for strikingly different. Cut the time to make resource decisions from more than four weeks to less than two hours. That simple change of going from more than four weeks to less than two hours, for some, for some reason, piqued the interest of the person they were talking to and they were able to have a conversation. The next one was well, a data center yeah. company. I mean, if you're yeah. just kind of giving a, a blanket statement, and, you know, what's, where's the rest of it? What do I expect from you? Okay, well, right. let's toss that one. I understand yeah, that. So that makes sense. Yeah. So can I just give you a couple more examples? A couple of these are kind of fun. I, I laughed on one of them. The next, this data center company, they had a very technical environment. These were the guys who have, um, they call them co-location centers. So they put all the computers, the servers, everything that runs the Internet, and processing computing power for clients. So they were trying to get people's attention by saying this. They're trying to, what they're trying to say is you could do your stuff faster. But here's what they said. You can provision dedicated connectivity and hyper-converged infrastructure faster. Wow. <laughs> right? it's like, uh, no, I understand no, that. Guys. You understand that. But no. most people are going to go, what? <laughs> what the heck what? does that mean? We said, let's change that. How about if you said this like a human? You can deploy new infrastructure in just hours and days, not weeks and months. Hmm. That seems a lot easier, and that's contrasting from hours, you know, from weeks and months to hours and days. So that got it done for them. Um, the tons of other examples. I'll just give one more. This is really fun. So North America's third largest um, trucking company. These are the 18-wheelers you see driving around, hauling freight back and forth and doing things like that. They were having a heck of a time recruiting truck drivers. Surprise, surprise, right? Pre-pandemic and into the pandemic, it got worse. And so they thought, hey, if we can just resonate with what these truck drivers want, we'll, get a lot, we'll be a lot more successful. And it wasn't just about pay and things like that. It was about being home when you want to be. So the surprisingly average headline that wasn't working was they said, hey, truck drivers, come work for us because we have flexible driving schedules. That didn't work. But if they, they made this little tweak, we helped them, we researched and found out exactly the words that meant something to truck drivers. They said, hey, truck drivers, you can go from unpredictable schedules to being home when you want to be home. That did it. That's what they wanted. And so they started getting a lot more interviews. They had a whole recruiting on them, and they still had a bunch of stuff underneath it. But it made all the difference. So the concept of the billboard is serve up your key message to the client in a headline. Make sure it's tied to the client's goals and issues, whatever that is, whether you're a truck driver or you're trying to sell a huge computer system to somebody or whatever, and then use from and to client outcomes. For some reason, Denise, when we found when you use from and to, the human brain paints a vivid image of what the from looks like. From means the current state, the status quo, what I'm dealing with right now, the pain points. Two is the desired promised place, right, that you're trying to go. And if you just simply put together the from and the two, it becomes interesting. And it's more powerful than any cinematography or any musical score because that human is telling a story to themselves 
with emotion and imagery that becomes very memorable to them. And what we found is almost all marketing companies, I don't know why, and most, most sellers focus on the two, the promised land. They, that's what they focus on. You can get this, but they don't juxtapose it. They don't compare it and contrast it with the from. And without contrast, it's almost like you didn't say something. It sounds like this, quack, 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 <laughs> right? It sounds like everybody else. It doesn't sound interesting. So, so I'll, I'll pause, but those are some of the key nuggets on verbal billboards. And in that first that chapter on skill one, capture attention with verbal billboard, we get lots of examples and share people, uh, show people how they can make it relevant in their world. See, I find this fascinating because like your, your companies, I find it really difficult to explain what it is that I do, how I help people. I know what I do. I do a lot of stuff. I'm really good at it. Humble, too. But I have right. a hard time articulating it. And you know what I haven't been doing, and I will be, as thank you very much, I will be doing the from to. I, I just have not done that. It, and honestly, it seems when you explain it, it's like, well, yeah, how simple is that? But we don't think of it, do we? No, it's, this, is so, this has been so much fun for my co-authors and I uh, because um, when we see the light come on in our clients' eyes and they get it and then they try it and it works like brilliant, and there's depth underneath it. We're obviously, I'm giving you tip of the iceberg here, but the concept is powerful and it's simple and nobody does it. I don't know why. It's kind of like Vince Lombardi, uh, you know, famous football coach. Uh, he was famous because he focused on the fundamentals. And whether he was coaching college or in pros, when he grabbed the football, the first thing he'd do is he'd go in the locker room and he'd say, this is, these were male football players, gentlemen, this is a football. And he'd show them the dimensions of the football and the little threads on it. And then he'd walk them out on the field and say, gentlemen, this is a football field. And he'd walk them around the perimeter. And then he would get into the fundamentals because he realized and knew that focusing on basic blocking and tackling, basic things of running the play, and um, then obviously he elevated that up. They won a lot more games. And selling fundamentals of human interaction are the important thing. And if I were to say, uh, and I'll throw a few nuggets here, but this is a big one. This book and this concept of being strikingly different is all about going from digital to human actually having real human interactions <clears throat> that actually engage the, the mind and the heart and do it with good intent of trying to help the other person succeed. And as you might expect, Denise, um, our clients and people who, who do this are remarkably more successful than other people. Like dramatically, you can chart it on a, on a graph and show how much more success they're having because it's about being human and having human conversations that actually matter to the other person. And these days, Dale, artificial intelligence, it's everywhere. You know, we're being trained to use it to write. We're being trained to use apps to do this, that, and the other. And we are in many, many ways losing sight of how human we are and how human the, the other person on the phone or the Zoom call is and, and what is it that we really need from one another. In some ways, yeah. we're losing our humanity. So I think it's time to you know, say, how can I have a conversation with you? How can I get your attention? How can I help you? 
you know, what different, what makes me different from everybody else who is trying to get your attention. But I honestly think, and my podcast is, you know, tells the tale, but I think conversations are the most important thing you can do. Conversations. Absolutely. And you you just nailed it because with all the AI, all the artificial intelligence, the machine learning, and the the web crawlers, the way that people are trying to communicate through all these little bots and everything now, interjecting a human element makes all the difference to capture the attention of the person you're trying to get to to lead to an actual on a conversation, especially in this world during the pandemic, it was almost all live online, and now it is a hybrid, again, of in-person and, li- and online. But having the right messaging to earn the right to have a conversation is the secret sauce that will make the difference between you blending in and looking like everybody else and standing out and winning a lot more than your fair share. This is true. One of my, my recent guests is um, a gal named Chris Ward, and we're going back to LinkedIn here. And I'm not a video person. I don't watch movies, although I did go see Top Gun Maverick. Go see it. If you haven't hey, been there, go to the theater. Awesome. It's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. And I had not seen the first one, so I had to rent that one on Amazon Prime and then go see the movie. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. They're, they're both just tremendous movies. But the thing is, it's hard to get anybody's attention these days because we're just pummeled. We really are. So I got this little video from Chris Ward on LinkedIn, and she did everything that you are talking about. I mean, she made it personal, personal, full, personal, and said, hey, Denise, I love your podcast. I listened to this one with such and such, and these were you know, some of the takeaways. I would love to be your guest. Well, yeah, absolutely. Right. Because she hit all the right points. She reached out to me directly. She told me why she liked the podcast, what she liked about the guest, which I really wanted to know because the show is not about me at all. It's about y'all, my guests. I mean, you are my mentors. You become my mentors and mentors to anybody who listens to these things. She nailed it. She absolutely nailed it. But it was that kind of, even though it was a video, she got my attention immediately. Yeah. Good for Chris. She, she, yeah. she, she gets it. She gets it. So she did a great job, which is awesome. She did. And, and what you're talking about is the same thing. You have to reach out to people, whether it's hybrid, live online, or in person, or through an email, or however we're reaching out to them. We have to know what we're asking of them. And I think that's where so many people just miss it. They don't know what they're yeah. asking for. Yep, I would agree. Okay, so you keep on going because I'm scribbling notes like crazy and I'm fascinated. <laughs> Would you, do you want me just to step through the other skills just briefly just to give you um, – would that be helpful? Sure, absolutely. Okay, let me just tell you one quick story. So this is one everybody can relate to because they'll know the companies. Um, I, had a, I have a client that is a sales executive at a really big consulting company. And they've been trying to get the attention of Walmart, okay, a top Walmart executive. And, and Walmart had been getting their lunch eaten by Amazon for years, right? I mean, Amazon, as you know, has just taken over the world with uh, their, their retail stuff and how they sell everything. 
And, and so he said, I'm having a hard time, Dale. This is a, a life coaching thing we did about a year ago. He said, I'm having a really hard time getting through to this very senior marketing executive at Walmart. And I said, well, tell me what you can do for him. And so he explained he has a bunch of services in, in marketing and some technology that could really help Walmart. I said, okay, tell me what you've tried. So he walked through all this stuff that he had tried, and, and it sounded, guess what, very surprisingly average. So I said, hey, you have nothing to lose. Let's try a different shot. So I walked him through this exercise. I said, look, get out a piece of paper and put a little horizontal line across the top and do a vertical line down the middle of the sheet. So just make a T-chart, right? And on the left side, I want you to list down all the pain points that you believe Walmart has right now. What's the from, right? And so he, he, you know, he started writing down a bunch of stuff. He said, well, they have two different systems, one for online and one for in the store. I said, okay, what's bad about that? He said, well, the customers get annoyed because if they buy something online and they try to bring it back to a store, they get caught in the middle of this, and it's not working very well. Okay, what else? Well, they don't have good visibility into all their stuff in the store and stuff online, and so they're inaccurate in how they forecast. So he made this big list of all the from and the pain points and different things. And I said, what could you do for them? If they had your solution in place, what would the two, the promised destination, right, this awesome place, what would it look like? So boom, 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 he, he listed all that out. And I won't go through all the detail, but I'll get you down. After he did all of that, we helped him come up with three from two subheadlines, which are like a little bit more detailed. I said, now back out of the trees and look at the forest. If you could just say one overall headline to this marketing executive at Walmart, what would it be do you think that would capture his attention and pique his interest enough that he would want to meet with you? So he tried some things and we coached him and he got down to this and this was really good. He said, and this worked really well, by the way. He said, hey, marketing executive at Walmart, you can change your customer mindset from, I'll just get it from Amazon, to I go to Walmart for everything. Now, that was a great, strikingly different headline. And it, he used no it in kidding. the subject line of his email, and he had some stuff in the email. He got the meeting. And what's really interesting, uh, we're not claiming credit for this, but um, maybe a small part. Walmart's made some changes um, uh, over the past year or so. And if you look at the data now, they actually have grown faster online and they're stealing market share from Amazon. And it's working. And again, I'm not claiming credit, but I will say that the, uh, this guy and this, this company that went to help Walmart, they're making a difference to help them get to the right place. So it's very good. So with that story, that's kind of the example of the power of headlines. The second, so that's the first skill, capture attention with a verbal billboard. The second skill is once you've captured the person's attention, you have to create enough excitement that they want to actually engage with you, talk further, right? Do something. So if you think of the billboard as your core message, think of the movie trailer as the delivery vehicle for your message. For example, Denise, think about Top Gun Maverick, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, Tom Cruise's uh, single biggest opening weekend from all of his highly successful movies, and he, they're just blowing away all these records. It's a great movie. But how do people decide to go to a movie? Usually they watch a movie trailer. And I don't know if you knew this, and your listeners may not know this, but the movie trailer production company, the company that actually does the little 90-second thing, is 99% of the time different than the company that produced the movie. They're creative agencies, 
And their job is to get humans like you and me, Denise, to go pay money to go to the theater. And they've had a hard time through the pandemic. So they did a hybrid model of trying to get people to pay money for streaming. Now that we're emerging back out, they really want to get people to go to the movie. Um, the movie trailer industry is an industry in and of itself. They, they, make, they have billions of dollar industry. They have their own top 10 best movie trailers. They have the Academy Awards, all of that. And so what's fascinating, when we looked at how can we get people excited, we said, let's take a note from the movie trailer production industry and, and find a way to excite the client or the prospect to want to meet with you. Or if you already have a meeting, Get them excited that it's the start of the meeting. Or if you're doing a proposal, in 90 seconds, really capture their attention and create excitement so they want to engage with you in a peer-to-peer dialogue. Um, so it's a really great multi-purpose um, vehicle to deliver your message. And what, here's what it is. So I'll give a couple of nuggets here. It's a three-part approach for movie trailers. Capture attention, create interest, and then call to action. Capture, create, call. And on the capture attention, that's where the billboard slides right down into the movie trailer. Your main headline from your billboard becomes the thing that you'll say to, to um, capture attention with the client. Then to create interest, you have to go one cut deeper. And it's kind of like this, Denise. I, I don't know. You, you mentioned you don't watch. You, you did go to a movie, but do you ever read news on your phone? Do you ever like go no. to news sites and? Well, okay. yeah, I do, but not not American news, to be honest. I I get my news elsewhere. Okay, but when you do go to find news, do you have to look through? How, how do you decide what article to read? Whatever source you look at. It's going to be the headline, obviously. I mean, it has yeah, to grab my attention. Yeah, exactly. So same thing for me, and for most people. Whatever you go to for news or you, you would choose to read something online, if you're like me, I'm right-handed, so I hold my phone in my left hand. I scroll through, and I have my favorite news sources. And like you, I have a very diverse – since I'm a global guy, I have a very <laughs> diverse list of sources, right? And I don't just right. the American stuff. So I'm like you. So I go through, and I look, and a, a headline catches my attention. My right index finger goes click, and I click into that article. And they've got like what? five seconds to really create enough interest for me to want to keep reading. So as I'm reading through, if they do a good job and pull me in, I will invest some time to read that article, that thing that, that they're trying to send, you know, share with me. But if they don't, then I click back and I go look for something else. Well, let's but that has that to be, to, Dale, that has to be in that very first paragraph, right? I mean, you have to exactly. get that, att- that attention grabbing has to happen in the first few seconds. So those first two sentences at least better be important yes. to me. Yeah. If not, we're gone, right? We have other choices. We're, we're, right. we're leaving, we're clicking left, and we're gone. And we found in, in either written communications, like you gave the example of Chris Ward, who did a great job with her video, and I haven't seen her video to you because it was personal, but what we have seen is thousands of these. You have to capture – once you capture attention, the next click down, the next paragraph, so to speak – really has to give them enough stuff that makes them interested to keep talking with you. We found this is true in a written communication like LinkedIn message or some social media message or an email, and it's also very true when you're speaking with someone in a meeting or trying to get a meeting on the phone or a live online interaction. And so the whole second skill is about how do you capture attention, create interest, 
and call to action. So you actually generate some excitement where people want you to, uh, they want to engage with you. And so we have a lot of examples in there, uh, tell, tell stories. And, and we, this is one of my favorite skills because we have <clears throat> used the FOIL method. For those who don't know what that means, it's a literary term that means bad versus good. So we try to swallow our own advice throughout the book and contrast surprisingly average to strikingly different. So we show bad movie trailer example contrasted with the exact same conversation with how do you make it strikingly different? Literally, what do you say either in writing or when you first get on the phone? Um, here's what most people say. That's, when I say bad, it's average. And then how could you make it strikingly different? And it gets into how do you research the person and how do you say it? Uh, maybe Chris Ward read our book. I don't know. But whatever she did worked with you, right, because she had this personal video. So that's the second skill is creating excitement with movie trailers. I'll pause and see if you have thoughts before I dive into the next one. Well, I can tell you one thing. Chris is going to be excited that we're talking about her, especially somebody of your caliber. So I will be emailing her when this is over and say, you have to listen. It was really good. But, but the thing is, thank you. For, for remembering her and, and um, you know, talking about it, because it's important. All of my guests are very important to me, and uh, you know, they come to me in different ways, and I'm always so excited to get to talk with you guys and read your books and you know, just basically learn from you. But what you're talking about here, and we've gotten, you know what, we're probably going to have to have you come back or maybe get you to stay a little bit over, but because this is fascinating and I really don't want to miss any of it. But we've we've talked about capture attention, create excitement, and then there's four more steps after that, but we'll get as far as we can get. But sure. one of the things about sales, and look, watch a three-year-old. If you've ever watched a three-year-old get his or her own way, it's classic. They always win. The little brats always win. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and, you know, How do they do that? You know, these, because they're persuasive and they're not going to give up. I mean, they really are not going to stop. And what you said earlier, and I, I wanted to mention this, what you said about the football and the football field, sometimes you have to just point out the obvious and then go on from there. And I think that's yeah. it, it's something that we don't think about, do we? We're like, well, you know, I'm a web developer by trade. I know everything there is to know about WordPress. I have a a digital marketing agency. I know what I know, and I stupidly, and I know this, make the mistake of thinking people know everything I do. They don't. Yeah. And I forget to point out the obvious. Yeah. Yeah, I call that the expert curse. The more we know, the Ooh. more we think other people know. And oh, that is... I like that. You just... Yeah, it, 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 you just articulated it, <clears throat> Denise, and that's what we found in spades in marketing and in selling. And so, for example, appearing in contrast to their competitors is not news to salespeople. They know they need to create contrast. It's like, duh, of course we have to, folks. But here's the thing. They struggle to define contrast in a way that helps clients act on it. That's why we have the book. Because defining contrast, which is another word for strikingly different, in the right way makes the difference between no action and 100% action by the client. No movement and full movement. And so it makes all the difference in standing out. 
And it's not about putting on a yellow suit and lighting your hair on fire and running in circles. That would certainly be distinct, but it's not memorable, right, in a right way. So when you're distinct, it has to be something different and better. And when you're memorable, it has to be easy to share and hard to forget. And it's not just being a shock jockey. It's about being just the right level of intensity for the person you're talking to. You know, and in marketing, you'll call it press the hot button. That means you're not over the top and you're not underwhelming, but you're just right. And an expression that I have for that uh, that's a mindset is called peer-to-peer, P-E-E-R, peer-to-peer. So if you're talking to the CEO of a very large company, um, you, in your mind, need to be right there at the same level with them. You're not above them with an ego, you know, looking down on them, and you're not beneath them groveling like, please, can I have some more? It's right there, peer-to-peer, respectfully, two thought leaders coming together to to brainstorm how you can get a different and better outcome. And you don't have to have the same years of experience or the same compensation or the same title, but you do have to have a mindset that is interested and curious and focused on what matters most to that person. And so some so of that in other that words, imposter syndrome is not your friend. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'm guilty of that. We all are. We all deal with that at some level, and I have talks with myself. I'm going to have one after we're done today. I'm going to sit down and have a chat with myself and find out what, you know, where fun. I'm interesting and you know where I can be better. But, yeah, I agree with you. You have to go into these, these meetings, whatever they are, without feeling less or more, but you do have to be very interested. And, Dale, you have to shut up and listen which is where I think a lot of salespeople make mistakes. They don't listen. Yes. Yeah, there, there's a funny uh, section in our book where we, we have a list. We, again, with all this research, we had a chance to interview a bunch of executives in addition to our, the things I already mentioned. And we made a list called the crash and burn greatest failures of all time uh, from salespeople to executives. This is from the executive standpoint. And one of the executives, it was so funny, we were laughing. We almost had tears in our eyes. He said, salespeople will not shut up and listen. Even when I'm telling them, guys, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to win this. They don't listen. They keep talking. And so uh, that's such, it's a great insight. Listening is a not lost art, but it's a hidden and a buried art. And it's the balance of science and art, really, when you're trying to sell. Well, Dale, doesn't listening or active listening require a certain amount of empathy? Because literally, you have to listen between those lines. Yeah, no question. And and I'm you know, so glad you brought that up because empathy, of all the things we talk about in the book, the EQ, emotional quotient, is most important by a factor of like 10. So listening with the intent to understand, not the intent to respond. Most salespeople do the latter. They're just listening for their next chance to jump in and say something. But if they would just really put aside their agenda and listen actively, watch the nonverbals, watch the other person's eyes, listen to the words, reflect for a moment before they ask their next question, two things happen. One, the client feels understood. Two, when you share something back, you demonstrate to the client that you care, that you sincerely want them to succeed. And yes, of course, you want to succeed yourself, of course. 
but it's a two-way street. And it goes back to where we started of helping clients succeed. If you have that mindset and then you back it up with your behavior of listening actively, when you do say a headline, when you do use from and to, guess what? You've earned the right from that other human on the other side of, the, of this interaction to have them want to listen to you. And, and it, it just it speeds things up. Trust goes up, you know, uh, speed goes up, cost goes down, and it becomes a, a really good thing for everybody involved. And see, that makes perfect sense to me. So we got to capture attention, create excitement. Now we're at, at building confidence, right? Are, are you able to come back another time to finish this? Because we've only got about seven minutes, and this is too important to just let go. I'm happy to come back and do another one if that would be helpful. And, and or we can stay a little bit a, longer if you're willing. Yeah, I can do um, that. I mean, I've spent a lot of time framing it up. I can give you a, a nice brief summary of the other ones. I think they will be helpful to okay. your listeners, and then you can, we can decide if it makes sense to come okay, back. Good. If that makes and sense. I will okay. sit here and zip it. I'm going to just listen. <laughs> no, I love the interaction. So that's where it's fun, right? So. So let me give you skill three. So it's, it's about building confidence. Once you've captured attention and you've created excitement, you need to build confidence in the client that you can help them do something different and better. And we have two story forms to do that. One is called a flashback, and the other is a flash forward. A flashback is just like in the movies. It's, you're looking back in time, and you're sharing a success story on how you've helped other clients uh, by vividly and succinctly kind of sharing how that other client's similar outcomes were great and that your experience in partnering with those other folks would really help this particular client. And we call it a flashback. It's, it's one of my favorite story forms in the book. And I'll tell you a quick story. It's why, what, why. And it sounds like this, Denise. When you and I are talking, let's say I'm trying to get you to be interested in some product or service I have. And so we're talking about it, and Denise, you're the client. You say to me, hey, Dale, I like what you're saying. Where have you done this before? Hmm. So instead of just rambling on, I might give you a success story in flashback format, and it's why, what, why. It would sound like this. Denise, as we've been talking, I couldn't help but think about another client that we recently helped um, in, in a, achieve some great results. Let me just share with you why they needed to change and what we did and learned and achieved together, and then I'll come back and talk about why that might matter to you. And we can dive into your situation a little bit more and see if, this, if we could, should keep talking if it's helpful to you. So why, what, why? It's a wonderful 90-second to two-minute approach to tell a story that's significantly more interesting and fun for the person you're talking to. And, and here's, here's a, a nugget that we discovered. When clients ask you where have you done this before, they're not asking for a five-course meal. They want you to set the table. So just leave them wanting a little bit. Tell them, tell them that brief story and let them ask for more. And we found that is, is just gold in working with clients. So that's a flashback. A flash forward is the same why, what, why format, but it's applied to this specific client and what the journey will look like for them. And it might sound like this. After we're having a discussion, this could happen in the same conversation or it could be in a different conversation later, Denise. And it would sound like if you're the client, I'm the sales guy. Um, you, you might say to me, I really like all of this. I love the story you told about the other client. I love some of the ideas you've given me. What would this look like for me? And I'd say something like this. Well, Denise, that's a great question. 
let me just share with you, just based on our interaction here, um, why I think you might want to go on this journey, what the journey would look like, kind of some of the key milestones, how much time it would take, and then we'll come back and talk particularly about why this might give you different and better outcomes than you're getting today. And then you can decide, you know, what would be most comfortable for you to move forward from here, something like that. So that's skill three, that's build confidence with flashbacks and flash forwards. I love that. Um, it's applicable. Literally all this stuff, by the way, is applicable in any, any situation, not just a sailing environment uh, when you're trying to influence somebody else. So skill four is about, okay, you've captured attention, you've created excitement, you've, you've built, you've become, um, kind of built some confidence and some credibility. Now, how do you become essential? where you really stand out as the person on the firm or company that they would most like to work with. We have something called why us differentiators, W-H-Y, and then the word us with an exclamation point, why us differentiators. And this is not about jumping on the table and saying how incredible you are. Rather, it is about sharing differences that would make a difference to the client. And to do that, you're going to have to have a little bit of conversation with them. And, And I'll give you a couple of nuggets here. When you do share, if the client says, like if you said to me, Denise, okay, I've loved all this. How are you guys different than anybody else that I've been talking to? You might say, well, there's three things as it relates to you that might make a difference for you. So it's difference A, B, and C. And on each one of those, I would have a pointed comparison. So here's what we do contrasted with what maybe some other people do or a different approach. And that point of comparison is the same principle of having a from-to juxtaposition. Putting the two things together make it interesting and intriguing to the client. Then you, so, and so it's the same why, what, why format as the flashbacks and flash forwards. But the first why is here's, here's a point of, here's a difference, and here's a point of comparison. The second what is what you would do with that difference in the client situation. And the last why is here's why this will help you achieve different and better outcomes. So it's a really nice way to tell a story in an interesting way that brings it to life for the client. So those first four skills are all about connecting and engaging with the client in a great way. The last two skills are about finding the gaps in your message and really getting curious and understanding what's most important to the client. Because you have to earn the right to be at the table, but then you have to have most of the conversation Um, early stage anyway, to find out what matters most to them. So skill five is get curious and find the gaps. And we have um, two things in here that are so helpful. One is called move off of your own movie trailer, move off of your own solution and find out the problems the client is trying to solve and the results they're trying to achieve. And then go into something called a structured conversation. It's a five-step approach that's really the most powerful way I've found to have any conversation with any human at any level, whether they're the CEO of a Fortune 50 company or they're just a, a, a friend or a, a, an employee that's you know, 20 levels down. It doesn't matter. It's respectful and it's really flexible, and it helps you find the gaps and shift the conversation from you talking about your stuff, your solution, to mutual exploration of business problems or results that the client's trying to solve or, you know, whatever they're trying to achieve. It's my favorite inquiry part of the equation. The reason we put it at skill five is the first four skills are all about capturing their attention. And the last two are about doing something with that and helping progress the sale or the conversation. 
So skill five is get curious to find the gaps. And skill six is, hey, how do you navigate traffic lights? Traffic lights are what we call the objections, pushbacks, or challenges that clients bring up. And we kind of have a metaphor of, of red, yellow, and green lights. And how do you engage in this real human-to-human dialogue to close the gaps and complete the sales process? So if I were to put a summary, and that's a fast run through those last ones, but if I were to put a summary around the whole thing, this is about being human, Denise. It's about connecting and engaging with clients in a different way and then validating and helping the client, almost in a design thinking way, move forward um, in this crazy fast world in a good way. And so it's about making, connecting the dots, making relationships with the right message, with the right questions, the right way that actually feels comfortable to, to the other human being that you try to talk to. We call that whole package of things strikingly different selling, and it's just been a blast developing this, and, and we've been using it for years around the world, and it's such a thrill for us to see our clients get these awesome outcomes when they, they do some of these things. And you just said something really important that I think a lot of people miss. You have to make those relationships. You have to start them. And it may well be that this person never becomes your client or doesn't become your client until five years down the road. I've had that happen. But right. they want to stay in touch. They appreciate you. They they honor your thinking. They're going to ask questions. They're going to refer you. You know, In sales, not everything happens instantly, which I think is a big mistake that people make, well, I, you know, I need the sale right now. Yes, but does your client need it right now? And that's, right. I think, where the disconnect is. Yep. Yep, that's a great insight. I hope everybody captures that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's huge. Dale, thank you. It, I mean, this has been fascinating. You ought to see, I've got scribbles all over the place. I'm going to have to, I look like a doctor's pad here. I'm not even sure I can read <laughs> some of That's it. great. But I love it. do you have anything else you want to share with the audience before I reluctantly let you go? Well, first, thank you so much, Denise, for inviting me uh, on your show. And uh, it's been a real treat. I, I love your work and I love your podcast. I've listened to several. I would just say to all of your listeners, do your very best to become strikingly different. Whatever your role, whatever you do, try to go from looking and sounding like everybody else to thinking a bit differently and doing some things differently to be strikingly different. And the best way, if you, if you remember nothing from this whole podcast but one thing, it's please work on being relevant, distinct, and memorable every day. Relevant, focusing on what matters most to the other person. Distinct, show them something different and better. And memorable, make whatever you say easy to share and hard to forget. Sing it like a song, chant it like a mantra. It'll make a big difference. And just notice how small changes make a big difference. You don't have to be, you know, a super person. You can do this 1% of the time, and you'll get there. So thank you. That's it's been a going, to be with you today. Oh, thank you. That's going up on my whiteboard. I've got a big whiteboard up here. It only has two, well, three sentences. It's from another podcast. And the question is always, is it a hell yes or is it a hell no? And I've got the other half, which is going to go to your mantra. So I've been holding that. Apparently, I've been holding that spot for you and didn't even know it. Before I let you go, where can people find you? Yeah, so if you just Google Dale Merrill, strikingly different selling, you'll see me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can pop up. The book will pop up, and I'll pop up. It's all over the place. And so um, we, we've been honored. We, we were the number one new release in multiple categories on Amazon. 
So connect with me on LinkedIn. That would be great. You can also go to um, franklincovey.com, and you can read some stuff about strikingly different selling. So put any of that, those things in your uh, browser, and, and we'll pop up. And if, and if you do connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a note. I'm, I'd love to interact with you and see what questions or help I might be able to give you. Oh, thank you. Listen, Dale, it's been wonderful speaking with you, and thank you for the book. I really appreciate the book. And Welcome. when I tell you I've got stickies all over it, I'm not kidding. It's I probably added a quarter inch just for the weight of the thing. <laughs> anyway, That's thank awesome. you. I love it. Oh, it's a great book, and I highly recommend that everybody add it to their entrepreneurial library and put it to work. So it's been wonderful chatting with you, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, Amazon Prime, anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. Honestly, you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us and take us along on your success journey. Again, thank you so much. It has been a genuine pleasure. Thank you, Denise. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 